Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like... I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love. Anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of a heel that goes up a little, just a, just a smidge higher. Like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I don't know why you'd return anything, because what? (laughs) But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee, so if the dryer or your dog eats a sock, or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. (laughs) That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintage colored rib socks. You know, those like... You know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those, too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. Everybody, welcome to Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. My name, it is Matt. I'm Dory. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, You're about to hear uh, what we were up to all weekend, but first, there's some business. Although, the update is first, like I've always asked Dory to do, and yet somehow, now that she's done it, I keep jumping over it Hmm. and going to the business. Guys, we spent a day... 26 hours in San Francisco. Yep. What a time. It truly was a time. It, uh, you know, Dory likes to have crackers. She was making full use of them. <laughs> we we were up there for Wired 25, which we mentioned previously. Yeah. Um, we recorded a live podcast. There were other sorts of fun things going on there, like lots of robots that you could pet. Well, quote unquote pet. It's yeah. a robot petting zoo. You could pet the one that you're supposed to sleep with. Mm-hmm. Snuggle up with it. Yeah. Um, and then the other robots, you sort of like just, you know, hang out, talk to it. 
etc. Um, I appreciated that there were some eggheads in the audience. There were a couple of eggheads. Mm-hmm. Could you believe mm-hmm. it? Thank you. Thank you, eggheads. Thank you, Melody and James and Laura. Who made the, the trip out specifically to... I don't think they were accidentally also at Wire 25. And that's no. I think they came for us. The people in the nice. elevator I told to go to the show were there. Oh, they were? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Somebody job, was honey. looking at the program and said, oh, future fertility. That sounds interesting. And I said, it's going to be great. I host it. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was really fun to do that. And then Matt wanted to watch the Astros beat the Red Sox. Well, that's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> They look. I wanted to find the game somewhere, so we, we found a place for it. Perry's. Look, it's it service. It certainly did exactly what I needed it to do. It literally did exactly what we needed it to do. Served food that wasn't bad. Had the game on. I had the game on. The end. The bartender was lovely. That was. Those were the two. Although I did tell the bartender she was forgetting the vermouth in her. And then the dirty martini. Was like, she was telling me no. <laughs> And I was like, no, no, I think you forget it. And then the lady, luckily, so I didn't feel like such a jerk. (laughs) I was just confused by the way she was making it. First, she just put the vodka in and then shook. And then I was like, okay. I mean, look, I like to make a nice chilled vodka as much as the next guy. But I suppose. Anyway, long story short, bartender, I still apologize and tipped her handsomely because I felt bad. What a rude um, thing to do a bartender. <laughs> I got tomato soup and mashed potatoes because that was kind of the only thing on the menu that appealed to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also, by the time we left, I was really tired. It was like almost eight o'clock. <laughs> Let's just like say for the facts, uh, we were both in bed by, I mean, you were in bed by 7.55. Yep. And then I think I just got into bed shortly thereafter. So we were both in bed by 8.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. <sighs> what I, a life we live, guys. I proceeded to wake up in midnight and vomit. Mm-hmm. I did not. I was uh, sound asleep. Yeah, I didn't wake you up. No, I slept like a log until about, you know, I woke up at one point. It was dark out, probably like 4 o'clock in the morning, and then... Slept till seven and then was ordered to go find a Starbucks that would properly toast Dory's cinnamon bagel. This is true. I woke up and I was like, oh no, I don't feel so good. I mm-hmm. need to eat ASAP. Yeah. And I was running low on supplies. I didn't have that many crackers left. Yep. I could have gotten uh, angry and annoyed, but I just went. Thank you, honey. That was really big of you. Well, it was something. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you just get no warning. You got to spring into action on these bagels. Yeah, I was like, no, 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 I don't think you understand. I need it now. (laughs) And then I'm like, okay, I hope I can find a Starbucks that A, has that type of bagel, and B, has that, the ability to toast it properly. Anyway, we got there. We did get there. So, so otherwise, it's been a long week. Dory's nausea has been mm, up and down. We went out for our anniversary. We had a lovely evening. Um, and, um, yeah, that was Thursday. Three years. We, we, we did it, guys. Three years. Got Dory some sunflowers because that's the traditional three-year gift, but now I'm told it was it's leather. So I should have gotten her something leather. 
So. And I got Matt something leather, but it, it won't be here till tomorrow. Hmm. Yeah, I got Dory something leather too. It won't be here till tomorrow. <laughs> um. Anyway, can't believe it. Three years, guys. How long has this podcast been going? Two years. Most of that time. Jesus. Uh, okay. Oh, and you're going to hear the interview today we did with um, Dr. Amy. It just goes by Amy. Or Dr. I don't know. She's the egg whisperer, guys. Um, she was very cool. Yeah, she was like one of these like, I'm a hip doctor. Yeah. I'm a young hip doctor who... She was like, I did a bunch of retrievals and transfers this morning. Then I came here. I was like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> she also has the uh, patient inject the embryo. The, oh. the the partner. Oh, I didn't get that. Yeah. Oh. Whoa. That's a thing she does. Wild. She's like, I'm not going to inseminate your wife. You do it. Wait, she put for a transfer? She'll land the... Ch- as far as I could tell from what she was saying to me, I was gathering... She'll land the catheter where it's got to go and then hold it Mm -hmm. and tell the husband to push. Oh, okay. So she she guides it in. Of course. Okay. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. That could be disastrous. (laughs) I think you guys are going to like her. We did a, we did a, we had a a nice interview. I'm going to cut the top of the interview off because if you're listening to this show, you know our story. So I just was like, let's lop that off. But because it was like two thirds people who'd never heard of the podcast, I felt the need to give a background. And then it's a live podcast. So I talk a lot and I apologize to everybody. You're probably going to say something about it. Maybe I'm just putting it into your head now and you weren't even going to notice, but I worry about silence in a podcast and I just keep talking when there's an audience there. I tried to steer the conversation. You did everything properly. Thank you. You were the better uh, host, I think. Oh. Yeah. Wow. I know. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah. So so we're not going to do emails and voicemails this week. That's right. We will get to them next week. So everyone who emailed us recently, we will get to you next week. In the meantime, you can always ask the questions in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash excellent adventure. Um, there's always a lot of people willing to willing and able to answer questions in there. So I would head over there if, if your question is urgent and yeah. we have not gotten to it. And I don't want to jinx it. The audio sounds good. I hate usually hate live podcasts, how they sound, but what I was hearing sounded pretty good. So... Well, it seemed like we had a decent setup. Yeah. And, and the also room the room was big. not big, wasn't yeah. echoey. And, and it was full. You know, all the laughter probably didn't make it onto the tape. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So. And, and tomorrow we have an OB appointment. Tomorrow we have an appointment with Dr. Brown. Taking a look in Dory's. Uh, take a look at the baby. Yeah. So brace yourselves for next week for an update on that. Patreoners, brace yourselves this week for an update on that. Um, that's pretty much the top of the show. Here's the business, of course. Leave your Apple Podcast reviews. They help people find the show. So if you're like, going to search IVF into iTunes, we will come up and hopefully help those people with what they're going through. Our Facebook group is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Excellent Adventure. And our Patreon is Excellent Adventure. Uh, no, wait. That's our website. Our website is excellentadventure.com. Our Patreon is patreon.com forward slash Excellent Adventure. The Twitter handle is at Excellent Pod. And our email address is Dorian Matt at Gmail. 
and Matt and Dory at Gmail. Remember, Dory has two E's, Matt has two T's. And the phone number, of course, is 413-461-BABY. And uh, without any uh, further ado, let's talk about the future of fertility, thanks to uh, the folks at Wire 25. Thanks, Wired 25. Or should we do a break and then do that? Yeah, we should. Oh, guys, we're going to take a little break, and then we'll be right back with the Wired 25 Summit Conference. Event? Event. (laughs) Extravaganza. Yeah. All right. BRB. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like... I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love. Anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of the heel that goes up a little, just a, just a smidge higher. Like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks, tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I don't know why you'd return anything because what? (laughs) But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee. So if the dryer or your dog eats a sock or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. (laughs) That's right. They have garden party socks. They bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintagey colored rib socks. You know, those like, you know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, if for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. Okay, everybody, and we are back. And here is the first ever live episode of Excellent Adventure. Well, part of an episode. Woo! Here you go. 
how do you whisper to eggs? Totally. That's the, yeah. I'll just start with saying that someone called me an egg slut yesterday. I didn't know how to take that. <laughs> oh, it is, a, it is an overrated <laughs> breakfast chain in Los Angeles. I know. I know. But I've been whispering to eggs, I would say, from my mother's womb. It's in my blood, my dad, my grandfather, all fertility specialists helping people for decades. And one of my first patients was actually a patient that my grandfather delivered, and he actually prescribed Clomid, Whoa. a fertility drug, to her mother, and she Whoa. was an IVF patient of mine. So this is, this go, this is crosses generations for me. So I've been passionate about it since I was three. I knew I wanted to go into fertility when I was in the seventh grade because my mom had several miscarriages. And I started my practice exactly 10 years ago this month. So I've been knocking people up for wow. a living. I can say that because I'm a female <laughs> physician. Male <laughs> physicians cannot say that. I can't, I can't say we just had a threesome <laughs> and not get arrested, but I can. Uh, you're in good company. Uh, so I guess for us, for Dory and I, it had been a, it had been a, it, the podcast has been sort of a nice outlet for us to sort of discuss everything that we were going through constantly. There have been a few times where I was just like, why do I, why are we still doing this? A, the podcast and B, in for the fertility treatments. Uh, we went through five rounds, uh, five egg retrievals, five egg retrievals uh, three transfers, uh, one chemical pregnancy with a very low beta. Uh, that was uh, very stressful also. Um, and then, you know, this last round, which was our last ditch effort, we had had one, we had one embryo left uh, from the five retrievals slash, I mean, what do you, you say a retrieval, that's it. Because they do the fertilization then, right, Doc? Right, right. right. Egg freezing is IVF without the F and then you F later. Yes. Okay. So no effing, uh, which has been a theme of this entire run. Uh, we, it was, uh, so essentially we had literally come to the point where we had spent a lot, uh, easily six figures on trying out of pocket because it is not something that is traditionally covered in the United States. Uh, and I found that this was something that I did not uh, expect the internet to come at me and say, well, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's voluntary. You, you don't have to do it. And I'm like, well, I didn't ask to have a low sperm count and old eggs. Um, <laughs> I mean that with love. <laughs> that was how we used to intro the podcast. I would say my sperm is dumb. She'd say my eggs are old. There we go. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that, you know, it just, it, the, it took a financial toll. It took a, a toll on our uh, relationship just because we have not known marriage without IVF. We, we just had our three year anniversary Thursday. Uh, and it was, it had been a thing where I was just like, I don't, I don't really know how much longer I can do this. We had one embryo left. It was a boy embryo. We know that because of genetic testing, uh, you find out so early, uh, first time we got the report from our doctor, we found out in an email, uh, and Dory didn't want to know. So then she got mad, called them. Now they don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't just go, okay, you got two boys, a girl, and a who? I don't know. Um, there is a situation there where we had had this from the second retrieval. Mm -hmm. We had an embryo sitting on ice for almost two years, and we were going to stop where we were at the California Fertility Partners and then move over to Colorado, which was going to be $26,000 for the round, followed by flights that would have to occur. Like, I'd have to buy them, what, like a week before? Yeah. So, it, you know, it was a lot. Um, <laughs> and But that's kind of the, the general gist of our story. Um, but, Amy, yes. I was wondering if you could kind of 
break it down for us in terms of your practice. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do the most of? Do you do IVF? Do you do egg freezing? Do you do donor sperm, donor embryos? There's so many permutations. Right. Great question. So what I do is I diagnose before I treat. So I take a very careful look at what's going on with the couple as a family. I don't try or the single woman or single man. I don't try and push, let's say, IVF or some sort of treatment on people. So it's very important for me to know what people's values are, how many kids they want, how they're going to get there to get those kids. Because some people say, I want four kids, but I want two with our own DNA and two adopted. You know, so those are the kinds mm-hmm. of things that I want to know up front. And then if someone has, let's say, a problem with IVF, what those problems are and why, because I can break those down. What are some of the problems people have with IVF? So one of the most important is that they think that perhaps they're going to create designer babies. That's kind of what I hear a lot. And they don't feel good about that. And I said, I would love to create designer babies. (laughs) Because if I could, then that means that treatments would work a lot better than they actually do. Mm. And I could cure things like ovarian aging and miscarriages and things like that. So do you, sorry, I don't mean to sidetrack you, but that just made me think of something else, which is, I know when I came into doing IVF, I had a lot of misconceptions about it, particularly in terms of how often it works, how well it works. And I'm just wondering if you could address that. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the biggest misconceptions is that by going through an IVF cycle, you're going to go through menopause sooner. Another misconception is that it might cause breast cancer, ovarian cancer. Um, another misconception is that it works a lot more or a lot better than it does. So people right. wait until they're 40 and they're, they're like, I can't wait to see Dr. Amy. We're going to do IVF and it's going to work the first time. But the first thing I do is I tell people, look, we're in it to win it. And it might not take, it might take several cycles and not just the first one. So it's a lot about learning about your body, learning what works. And they're all learning experiences. They're not failures to me. I'd wear cheerleading skirt here today but I'm in San Francisco <laughs> that would look awkward but I try and I, I try and give people a message of positivity because at the end of the day we're dealing with human biology and it's no one's fault so by focusing on the positive and the goodness yeah. people realize that they're just like everybody else yeah it, it, do you find that a lot of your patients come to you uh, ha- after previously going through other uh, attempts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I see a lot of patients for second, third, fourth opinion consults, people from all over the world and country message me, send me their medical records, their charts, their embryology reports, and see, you know, they ask me for my perspective. And that's why I came up with this method called the Tushy Method, mm-hmm. which is a very simple, has anyone here heard that? I have not also. I'm still <laughs> here. Go. So um, unfortunately, a lot of people start treatment without knowing what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And so the tissue method is a very simple way. If you remember those five simple steps and do them first before you start treatment, you're, you're not going to just wing it. And that's the hardest part about going through IVF is you work so hard for each embryo. You don't want to transfer and then find out you had a polyp in your uterus and you should have fixed that first. So the T is for fallopian tubes. The U is for an ultrasound of your uterus. The S is for sperm. H is for hormones. And Y is for your genetics. And I have patients that see me all the time or they reach out to me mm-hmm. and say, well, I had my tissue checked and they said that nothing was wrong. And I said, well, you have to do it again. Because just one snapshot of your hormones isn't enough. Just one snapshot of how the swimmers are swimming isn't enough. You have to do a deeper right. dive. You can't just judge, judge a book by its cover. You have to look at sperm DNA. There's so many things that you can look at. You know, I was, I, I've been fascinated too. My sperm has done a number of different weird things uh, over the time. <laughs> most recently, well, not most recently. Yes, most recently, right? When it was super low, when mm, I was like, we yeah. should not do this cycle. That was two retrievals ago. Yeah. So I, you know, I was spent, I was working my day job. I write on a television show. So those hours are lengthy as is. And then we went and wound up in a place where in the weekends I would fly to New York, host the the after show for Star Trek Discovery, fly back home. But I wouldn't go home. I'd go straight to work. So I would seven days a week straight and I'd had a panic attack 
and we were in the middle of trying to do a round, and I said to our doctor, I, I don't think we should do this. We should check my sperm. And the count had gone down to 25,000. Yeah. Um, and it was a... Uh, we, went, we, we went ahead with it anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I... It, it was a promising, like, we got 10 mature eggs, and but then none of them made it to blastocyst. Um, and I just find how, as a doctor, do you find that you can really pinpoint whether or not it's a stress factor or if it's yeah. an environmental factor? Like, are you guys there yet where you're like, yeah, don't do it while you're stressed? Yeah, I would say you needed to sleep. You know, yeah. obviously you just described, you knew in your gut what was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say your doctor was, I'm sure, phenomenal, but I'm not going to say they didn't listen. But She's great. To, she got she's us awesome. one. She knocked, she, knocked, she knocked you up. Um, but the thing is that at the end of the day, you want to have a normal circadian rhythm as much as you want, as much as you can. So, <laughs> so I talked to my patients about looking at the two weeks going into the egg retrieval and making sure that during those two weeks, you can sleep as much as you can, uh, seven really hours, bed up, by honey. 10. You know, I do recommend things like melatonin and yeah. there are a lot of strategies to reduce the clutter, so to speak. How about like noise canceling headphones All on that. an airplane? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Lots of whiskey. Overnight. Yeah. Bad Ugh. food. Do you, do you think that people tend to kind of discount the male factor more than the female factor? Absolutely. People usually say, oh, you can put anything into an egg and it's up to the egg at the end of the day. But that's bull s. <laughs> you can say we, we can have say, the explicit tag on iTunes. There you go. You can, Pardon my French. That's you, that's you, total bullshit. I mean, yeah. it takes two to tango. It takes an egg cell and a sperm cell to make a baby. You know, preconception health is important for both the mother and the father. And I recommend prenatals for men too. Mm -hmm. And they're like, prenatals, it's going to turn me into a girl. I'm like, no, it's not. Just take them <laughs> and you're going to be fine. Yeah. I, you know, we also wound up uh, in acupuncture, mm -hmm. um, which I just for me during that period of time, which was the period of time where I was working seven days a week, that was like the literal one hour a week where I could just do nothing. Right. And, uh, I think that, I mean, it didn't happen from that round, but I felt like that helped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Salt floats. I don't know if you've ever heard of those. We have a salt float spa that's near my office. So I have patients go there as well. You know, I'm buoyant enough. Yeah. <laughs> anywhere. But it's the same idea. One hour of sensory deprivation, basically yeah. and just a nap. What has been what has been one of the biggest changes in the 10 years that you've been practicing in terms of the field of infertility? Yeah, so two things. One is diagnostic testing and how that's changed and how I can pinpoint. I can pretty much give everyone an explanation now where I couldn't mm -hmm. before. So that's changed tremendously. I used to say things like, God, I think it's the mitochondria in your embryos. They're just not growing. And then now we can calculate the mitochondrial DNA content for each embryo. Wow. Right. Do, does it move faster sometimes, the testing faster than how you can interpret the data? Like you get information where you're like, I, we think this might mean this, but right. we're not sure yet. Right. And so I'm the first one to ask the company, give it to me. Let me have my hands on it because I want to know how it's going to affect how I yeah. care for patients. Um, same thing with like implantation, implantation testing, looking at endometrial receptivity in the lining of the uterus, looking at inflammation. All those things just have gotten us to a much higher pregnancy rate. And at mm -hmm. the end of the day, it's genetic testing. Right. The platforms aren't perfect. I call it the IVF, uh, the murky crystal ball in IVF. Sure. Right. And it's like still using binoculars when you want to use a mm -hmm. telescope, but it's still the best that we have. For people who might not be familiar with... Um genetic testing in the context of IVF. Can you just kind of briefly explain what that entails? Absolutely. So when you fertilize an egg, you have to watch the embryo grow. It starts off one cell, two cells, then it goes up to 400 cells or so, and that's called a blastocyst. 
And we like to freeze embryos and we like to biopsy them before they're frozen and then run an analysis. And you guys have all heard, I'm sure, of 23andMe. So everyone knows. I just say, you know 23andMe. We have 23 pairs of chromosomes. And everyone's like, yes, I know what that means. (laughs) That's basically what we look at. We look at to make sure that the embryo has a balanced set of chromosomes, 1 through 22, and the 23rd pair is the X and Y. People think that when you do genetic testing of embryos that it means that your baby's going to be perfect, really smart, and all those things. But at the end of the day, it's just the chromosomes. Mm-hmm. There's so many other genes that go into implantation and a healthy pregnancy, and we're still not there yet in being able to read all those genes. And I wish we, we could be. You know, I've heard people describe it as looking at an encyclopedia set. You know the encyclopedia set is there. For those of you who are under age of 30, you probably don't know what an encyclopedia <laughs> set is, but Google it. But the pages in the book are the genes, and of course I would love to have a full set and know all the pages. Are they missing? Are they bent? Are they torn? Yeah. For those under 30, uh, (laughs) encyclopedia sets, it was the internet. It fit on a bookshelf. (laughs) Do you think we're going to get there? Like, are people working on that now? Yeah, we're going to get there. It's just a matter of time. I feel like it's been promised to me. I mean, then, well, what about the moral implications of of knowing all of this information about, like, are we going to get to a point where I'm like, you know what? I want my baby to have brows that are on fleek, this one. <laughs> I have this information where this these eyebrows aren't going to be as good. I mean, as long as people are enjoying sex still and their phones aren't sexier than their yeah. bedroom, you know what I mean? I mean, people are still going to want to be romantic and it's cheaper to make a baby at home. So at the end of the day... For now. For now. You're right. Yeah. But not everybody needs IVF. Mm-hmm. And so for me to be able to have that information, it just helps me help people who need the help the most. Yeah, I just sometimes worry we're going to get to this like Elysium state Mm -hmm. where the super rich can pick their pretty babies. They kind of do that already. You're right. (laughs) Someone said they do. (laughs) Um, You know, it just, I, for us, we, there is, we have another embryo that's frozen still. Um, It is a girl embryo that um, has a, has a deletion on the long arm of chromosome two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were like, oh, we don't, what does that mean? And then they told us we don't really know what it means. Exactly. So I'm asking you, what does it mean? I would say, you know, when I give, for me, it's, I have to be an expert in something. I have to talk to the geneticist. I have to talk to the company and just find out exactly what it means before I can guide somebody. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just fascinating to me that just the thought that we, it's just right. like, what is it going to do? It's just right. sitting in that freezer waiting. Right. And then back to your question is what's the one thing that people have the hardest time with? And I tell people, look, you might not know it now, but having unused embryos is oftentimes something mm-hmm. that people struggle with. Yeah. So people say to me, Amy, I'd be lucky to just have one embryo. I'm like, just trust me. You're probably going to have mm-hmm. enough for your family and maybe extras. And I can't say that to everybody, right. but it's just important for people to think through. Yeah. Do you think there's, um, for people who might not be aware about embryo donation, um, is that something that you think is becoming more mainstream? It really is. And I don't know if you've seen the movie One More Shot. It's a great documentary. Yeah. We interviewed them on oh, the podcast, oh, actually. Yeah. Dory did. I was yeah. not there. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I've, as you probably heard me say earlier, I've been in practice for 10 years now. And so, with that comes lots of patients who give back and so and have unused embryos. And so, I probably do one embryo donation a week. Oh, wow. So patients reach out to me and they say, hey, Amy, we're done with our family. If you have any families that are interested and I say, "Okay, I'll just keep keep, you know, I have an internal list in my head. And and when the appropriate family comes, I make a really nice match. Sure. Mm -hmm. You do make the match just in terms of temperament of the couple that is in there. Yeah. Or do you go like, you know, that guy kind of looks like Frank. (laughs) 
<laughs> hey, Frank. Yeah, it's a combination of yeah. things. I mean, sometimes you have family, you know, the wife's a nurse, the woman who's yeah. the recipient is a nurse. Gotcha. And it's just like, you know, that they're like-minded in how they view the world. And, and then you make those connections and people meet. And then the universe is just a better place because they're connected through this immense love that they now have for this child and children. Yeah. I, you know, I just, I, when we first started the process, I don't know if we were really informed, you know, as far as everything that it entails. And that, I think that was part of why we started this podcast in the first place. And it is like mind boggling to me that there's 105 episodes of us trying to have a child and that that child will hopefully knock on for Micah or whatever this is. Uh, it will, it will be at a, it, hopefully everything goes well. It, it's born, it lives for a while, hangs out, does some things, decides yeah. I'm going to listen to things, and then it pops the podcast on and listens to me yelling at it for costing so much. <laughs> <laughs> and listens to me wanting a girl first, listens to all these things. I, I just, you know, I can't, I'm mean, not even know why I'm asking you, Doc, but yeah. it's just like I cannot wrap my brain around the idea that these children... Uh, you, in many ways, it just you're, you go. The families go through so much to yeah. have them. Yeah, that it, it just. I don't know if it's. Do we appreciate it more, or yes. do we hope that they appreciate what we went through more? I can't it's figure both. that out. It's transformative, and the families bring their babies back in to see me. Yeah, you know the the kids now that I've helped are uh, over eight years old, and so mm -hmm. once a year they come in and say, "This is Dr. Amy," and a lot of them are inspired by medicine and science because of what their parents went through and they understand biology on a different level than let's say other kids in their class. Yeah. So, um, you're also really active in the egg freezing mm -hmm. world. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to know kind of how that started, mm -hmm. um, why you do it and what the evolution of egg freezing has looked like. I'd love to talk about that. So I consider myself a fertility myth buster. And so when a lot of, uh, I'd watch that. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you Google egg freezing and you see articles that are um, filled with false information, misguiding women, it was frustrating to me. Mm -hmm. And whenever I go out socially, um, every gathering or uh, party I go to just basically turns into a fertility awareness seminar for me. <laughs> and I'm sure it's the same thing for you. It gets there. <laughs> yeah. So one night I was at a home shopping party that my friend threw and I was like, you know what? I got to do something around fertility and make it a party and make it really fun and get to do what I love to do most, which is obviously if you can't tell love talking about fertility and eggs, I could do it all day long. I do it in my sleep. And so I just, you know, Googled, you know, go daddy egg, egg freezing party. And I bought the URL and literally the next week, Facebook and Apple said that they were going to cover it. And then all of a sudden, 2020, um, Sienna, everyone started calling me Good Morning America. And Egg Freezing Party just basically took off from uh -huh. there. I've thrown 40 parties, oh, you know, over, I've thrown so many parties internationally. Um, now, are these parties where you uh, try to sign up other people and then they try to sign up no, other people it's, and it's they all push the eggs up to you? It's the, uh, yeah, I know, right? It's like, yeah, so it's a pyramid scheme <laughs> where I get all the money. No, no, it's called multi-level <laughs> yeah, marketing. But for me, it's it's very satisfying because now that I've been doing it for four years, mm -hmm. the uh, I started in 2014, um, 
people have reached out to me and they've had babies now and they're like, thank you for giving me the accurate information. Thank you for teaching me what it means to get a fertility screening, what to look out for. And that's what egg freezing party is. It's yeah. simply education. So, t- And then I'm throwing egg thawing parties now because the word is out. Everyone knows you can freeze your eggs, but people don't realize the due diligence that they have to go through when it comes to thawing them. Yeah, they, they have thaw to them. do IVF. They do. Yeah. And you have to look at the sperm. You have to study it first because you only get one chance with your frozen eggs. And so that's phase two. Oh my God. When you said you saw so many kind of inaccuracies um, in the media about yeah. egg freezing, what were some of those inaccuracies? Um, one of them is that the success rate's only 2% and over and over. And storage was $5,000 a year. I'm like, no, storage is less than 500 a year. So they were doing things to scare women out of egg freezing. And so I started saying things like, look, every 30-year-old knows that you can get your boobs done. A boob job is the same cost as your getting your eggs frozen. So I would go into I'm elevators <laughs> and you guys all have your egg, egg whisper shirt. So go into an elevator because that's an awkward place to ask this question and just ask people, who here knows that you can get your boobs done? And then say, who here knows that you can freeze your eggs? So four years ago, mm-hmm. people would be like, really, you can freeze your eggs? Now everyone's like, you can freeze your eggs. So it's like, it's just about the awareness. And what is the, you have a program where it's called Freeze and Share. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and kind of how that came to be? Absolutely. So um, there's a significant number of women in this country that donate their eggs to women who need them, and those are called egg donors. But unlike other organ donors where you give someone a kidney, you have the other kidney for the rest of your life. When you give someone your eggs, eventually you are going to run out of your viable eggs. And sometimes you run out before you're ready to have a family. So ever since I was in medical school, as a fellow training to you know, make a baby, I would tell my professors, I said, this is what I want to do when I grow up. I want to make sure that egg donors have eggs frozen for themselves as a requirement before they donate mm-hmm. to another family. And everyone's like, no, Amy, you're crazy. You're totally crazy. So I'm like, I'm doing it. I don't care. We yeah. have to change how we take care of these extremely generous young women. And by not offering them that, we're not giving them accurate informed consent. It's so easy to freeze like four eggs for them right, while right. they're going through such an invasive process. Yeah, so you're saying like these, you know, typically you're an egg donor, uh, female egg donor is younger. Right. Uh, and, and just maybe is like, you know what, I have them. I'm not going to use them right yeah. now. Let me get rid And then like they turn 35 and they're like, oh, oh. Right. And yeah. then the other concept is young women who actually want their eggs frozen for free mm-hmm. in exchange for donating half. So... And also, just knowing where those eggs are going is so important. Yeah. D- once you give someone your DNA, you're not anonymous anymore. Mm-hmm. And so just making sure you know you you have the option to choose the family that your eggs are going to. You're talking about anonymity in a room full of yeah. people with RFID stickers. Yeah. On the rest. <laughs> <laughs> um, the... The topic of this session is the future of fertility. And so I did want to touch a little bit on some of the kind of the most cutting edge things that are happening right now, like the InvoCell, for example. Yeah. So InvoCell is a company that I've been following since for for 10 years now. And so they finally got FDA approval um, in 2015. So if I use the word, I can say this here, vagibator, what do you think of? (laughs) I think of the worst comic book hero. (laughs) So think vagina and incubator, put it together. Uh So the concept is you go through IVF, you extract eggs, put the eggs in a little chamber called an InvoCell chamber, load up some sperm, close it up, 
place in the vagina, come back in five days, take out your embryos and put them in your uterus. So you're like a your- bath bomb. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> so in a way you're, you're incubating your own embryo. So you're taking care of it yourself or embryos and it decreases the cost because now you're not relying on a fancy IVF lab with all uh-huh. the technicians in there. So the cost is much less to go through that cost of medications mm-hmm. And the pregnancy rates uh, in the clinical trial that they um, sent over to the FDA for approval, the pregnancy rates were equ- equivalent to IVF. Obviously, this is a well-selected population of oh, younger sure. women, yeah. you know, so there was... And it's not people that might need ICSI. No right. ICSI, yeah. that's correct. Yeah. And genetic testing isn't an option mm-hmm. either. Um, the other thing that I have been fascinated by in the last year or two is this um, concept of the three-parent mm-hmm embryo. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So think (laughs) about this. Think that um, let's just use us as an example real quick here. Let's say your liver pooped out and you need a liver. And I'm like, okay, Dory, I like you. I just (laughs) met you, but I totally want you to live. So I'm going to give you some of my liver. So I'm going to give you my liver but Dory isn't going to look like me. She's not going to act like me. I mean, we kind of look alike a little bit, but she's not all of a sudden going to take on my traits. Okay. So think of mitochondrial transfer as something like that or nuclear swap. So think of it as you have an older egg and the mitochondria isn't working really well. So the mitochondria is like the battery house of the cell. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so if you have mitochondrial dysfunction and you replace it with or you surround the nucleus with younger mitochondria, that egg, once fertilized, is going to grow beautifully, theoretically. Mm -hmm. So this could be the cure for ovarian aging. And there have been studies showing, let's say you have a 30-year-old woman who's gone through multiple cycles of IVF, and then you take her nucleus out, transfer it into the egg of an egg donor that has been enucleated, put that nucleus in with that fresh mitochondria, fertilize the eggs, and now she's pregnant. So, I just heard multiple kachings. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it, yeah, I mean, on that level. Yeah. yeah. So um, Dr. Zhang is the one out of New York who most recently did it, and he got in trouble with the FDA because he they said that he was basically advertising it in this country, and it's not FDA approved here. So he has started, I don't know the details of this, so mm-hmm. don't quote me on this, but I understand. We won't, but it's recorded. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I think that there might be a clinic outside this country that's doing it. Uh-huh. And I, I do see that as a way to help women with this very um, common problem, and that's called ovarian aging. My uh, my outlook on women is it doesn't matter how old you are. Um, if you want a baby and your eggs have run out, it's the mm. cruelest thing. It's not yeah. one of those things, like, oh, sorry, honey, you're too old. It's like just because your eggs have run out doesn't mean that your desire to be a mom has run out. Mm-hmm. So we have to find a way to help women because – Everything in our life has changed as far as the milestones. They've gotten later and yeah. later. So people are pushing marriage and babies to 40 and over. Whereas a generation or two ago, everyone was having their kids at 20. Yeah. They're 20. So this wasn't a problem. Yeah. My, uh, yeah, my father, I think my mother and my father was at 19. My mother was 18 yeah. when they had my sister mm-hmm. who was 13 years older than me. And I just think about that now. And I, like what? What? What <laughs> planet were they on? But they're still together. Good for them. Um, but I just find this whole. I think it's interesting. I've I've found the more I've talked about IVF and the more I've talked about our our struggles with fertility, be it uh, you know on the podcast or uh, at like a poker game or something. I'll just inevitably half of the people there have also gone through it or are going mm-hmm. through it. 
I, I find it to be one of the worst, best kept secrets around that there's, I think it's, I think it's more common than even we think it is, which is to say, I feel like it's, what's happening? Why is everyone infertile at this point? Uh, it's a combination of the climate, the environment, our diet. And um, I mean, just look at all the reports coming out of like dolphins being exposed to plastics in the ocean yeah. and what it's doing to them. And they don't even like drink out of water bottles. You know right. what I mean? And it's like, here we are as human beings. We're being poisoned on a daily basis in this country yeah. compared to other countries. There are a lot more regulations surrounding things like BPA and other types of pesticides. And I feel like we're just poisoning this country. Well, that's why I like a stainless steel uh, <laughs> water bottle by the folks at Swell. Uh <laughs> Thank you, Wired, uh, for hooking us up with this. Uh, no, the uh, I wish that was an ad. It wasn't. <laughs> um, so I guess when I think about all of the uh, that you can come in, it's fine <laughs> or stay. Uh, when I think about all of the uh, people who've reached out to us on the podcast, a lot of our podcast is uh, emails from listeners. Um, it really always feels like we have heard everything that can possibly have gone wrong or right. Um, and every week we are surprised by something. Uh, and we put out either the egg signal, the sperm signal, the embryo signal, whatever signal needs to go out. We have a lot of lights on our roof. Um, what, what, is the, what is the most recent surprising scenario you've had with a patient, an anonymous patient? Um, I would say the most, I, I guess I'm humbled by miracles every single day. When I tell people when there's love, sometimes yeah. things happen, happen in life that you never expect. So, for example, patients that needed an egg donor or surrogate and they find themselves pregnant. So those are the kinds of things that just humble me on a daily basis. Yeah. And they remind me that being a medical doctor doesn't mean medical deity. And if you just believe in people and believe that there's a chance, then sometimes they don't need your help. And so by just teaching yeah. people that I believe in you, I believe that you will be successful. Sometimes it's contagious and they start believing it too. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, thank you. We are going to, we have some time for some questions. Um, and there is a mic that is going to be going around. So anyone question. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm just wondering what the benefit is. Is there a benefit to freezing embryos as opposed to eggs? Why people do that? Because, I don't know, you read all these articles about people suing for embryos. So why wouldn't mm -hmm. they just freeze them separately? Is there a reason why Good question. the sperm and the egg, why embryos are frozen? Uh, in our case, for instance, like we just... They, we freeze them to store them. We we're a married couple, and we decided that's what we wanted to do with them. And we both had to sign and notarize many pieces of paper so that hopefully we can't sue each other if that were to ever come. Uh, we both selected science uh, as the thing that we would do with the embryos. Had anything happened to us? But it's that's you're you're getting to this next step in the process when you have the embryo. So it's 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 like. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of the equivalent of it. It's like pausing a movie in the third act where you're like, I'll pick it up later. You only have the last act to watch. Uh, and I think that's pretty much... Is that anywhere? I, there's a doctor on stage. Well, also, no, that's I just, write, I just write television. No, I mean, everyone's situation is different. So it's like one of those questions I ask. 
how do you envision your family now and in five years? So if you're, let's say, a single person and you envision yourself, if you didn't meet a partner, having a child on your own, then I would suggest, hey, look, depending on your age, let's fertilize half with donated sperm. So at least you have that as an option and you know what's waiting for you. And part of egg freezing party is educating women about freezing enough eggs because the last thing you want to do is freeze eggs and be like, I did it. It's insurance. And then at 43, find out that none of them worked. So, Mm. you know, that's part of the process of informed consent and being well educated about what you've gone through and why and looking at all your DNA factors to see what you should think about yeah, in the future. We've been hearing, you know, a lot about this, you know, f- make sure you're f- frozen enough eggs. Yeah. And it's funny, we have a, there's a writer on, I work with who she's uh, 30, early 30s and she was talking about how she had gone and frozen her eggs and I just looked at her like straight in the eyes. I was like, do it again. Totally. Do it again. You never know. You never know. So anyway, we're weird advocates of freezing everything. (laughs) Uh, Anyone else have a quote? We got one over on the left. Hello. Hi. Um, So I know that historically women's health care has been underfunded and there's a whole lot about fertility and the reproductive system that we don't know about. How has that changed and how has that impacted you and your research and your all of that you've been doing. I mean, for for me, I would say that uh, there's not enough that's being done. I mean, there was a recent um, article in The Cut, I think, New York, something like that, about how men's sperm count is dropping. And I was like, and I'm supposed to care? I mean, no offense. <laughs> because women run out of eggs completely, you know, and all of a sudden, it's an epidemic. Sperm counts are going down. And I'm like, that's just cruel. I'm like, women have to face menopause before they're done having kids. And I'm supposed to feel, and now all of a sudden there's like research is being done. So I'm hoping that because guys' sperm counts are going down, then maybe some of that research money will just come over to us and we can figure things out together. Um, But I would say there's a lot more that needs to be done. Um, And to that, you know, Dory, why don't you tell everyone about how our IVF was not covered ever for anything and you just called up your HR department? Oh, yeah. Our, when, I, I, when, I, when I was working full-time, um, my company did not cover IVF. And then I wrote to my HR department and said, um, have you guys ever considered covering IVF? Like we've paid, At that point, I think we had paid about $40,000 out of pocket. It's been um, cool. And I said, look, we've paid $40,000 for a pocket. Um, it would be great if you could start covering it. And then the following year, they did start covering it up to, I think, $10,000 inc- plus meds. So it helped a little bit. Um, but I always yeah, encourage like using people, a gift card for a big bill. Yeah, I, I do always encourage people to ask. We actually recently heard from someone who works for like a city government in the Pacific Northwest who got the whole city to change their policy um, because they had kind of agitated for it. So it is something that I think people are starting to think about. Um, and it's worth having a conversation with your HR department if it's something that, you know, matters to you. Do it. It saved us like 10 grand. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just an email. Yeah. I was like, wow, what other emails can you write? <laughs> um, I think I saw a question back here. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> please. Whee. Hi. So I was just wondering, like, at what age would you expect, like, a girl to come and, like, attend an egg freezing party or, you know, go to a doctor to get herself tested to understand what's her um, future going to look like, whether she should start thinking about a baby right now, later, given that a lot of people do not 
any longer have kids at like 23 24 mm. when they should i mean not when they should but like <laughs> when they right. traditionally expected to and they go like say 35 or 40 and and they're not aware that they should have done these tests um like early on so like what would you or like as a biological age would be your suggestion for mm-hmm. girls to um start getting themselves tested no problem Sorry. so i advocate you know the us preventive task force recommends a woman's first pap smear at the age of 21 and so i recommend screening to start then okay because there are women in their 20s who run out of eggs especially women who let's say have a family history of early menopause for example if their mom went through menopause earlier so you want to catch those women sooner than later but for the most part age 25 and then every time you go in for your birth control pill refill because many women are on birth control pills and it tricks them into thinking they're fertile so they're having regular cycles and they can't notice the pattern changes in their cycle that could be indicative of running out of eggs so once a year if you have an IUD once a year And so I mean it doesn't necessarily have to be every year but just looking at the trends and then asking yourself the same questions, you know, how old am I? How many kids do I want? When do I want to start? Do I want to do this on my own? If so, by what age? And then meeting with someone like me to look at your tushy. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um you have you have your questions that you ask your patients. Is there like a question that comes up for you more often than you would think it would? Like are there couples that Yeah, I get one question all the time. It's Hang like Hang on, that's Uber's new tiny plane. <laughs> What is that? It's a flock of bird scooters. <laughs> I think the one question that I'm still still surprised with is Doctor, every time I stand up, all the sperm comes out. Is that why this isn't working? And I just Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that took me a minute. I was like, wait, what? That yeah, guy's no, got a problem. Yeah, no. No. <laughs> no, it's the woman asking me and I'm like, it's the G word. It's called gravity. It's cool. Like you want that to come out. Like that's what it's supposed to do. Yeah. But that question that's still surprises me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then people just not understanding their bodies thinking that every time you have a period it means the eggs are coming out. Right. And just the not really knowing, you know, how to get pregnant, you know, that that concept. I mean, this is something that this is like a high horse that I get on all the yeah. time about sex education in this country. It's like non-existent. Mm-hmm. Um and I do think a lot of women and men get to childbearing age with really no concept mm-hmm. of how it actually works. So I I learned so many things through this process about what's going on down there. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you it is you should know this earlier. Right. You know, like for me I just thought okay, I think there's a couple tubes, some eggs shoot out and you have a baby, <laughs> but then like learning every like about papsers about just the process being at you know as many ultrasounds of hers as mm-hmm. i could be at mm-hmm. um and just sort of talking to the doctor and asking questions when i had them i just have found it invaluable for just the it's just life like you should know how both sets work right. that's all you don't have to do 15 years of schooling to figure out how right. an egg and sperm make a baby yeah <laughs> and most patients actually know more than their obgyn you know when you go through ivf It's true. You, It you, you spent a lot of time talking about that stuff. Uh, we have time, I think, for one more question. Does anyone have another? We have one over oh, here. Yes. Oh, it's James. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, this is really just an excuse to say vagabeta. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, think, I honestly, own the URL. Just in your <laughs> accent, we could sell a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so you you talked about that. I'm going to say it again. Vagabeta improving the chances as well as lowering the cost. And obviously, the cost of entry, you've talked 
mm-hmm. a lot about how it, this is expensive that limits this to the number of people that can actually do it. How much of the research looking forward and looking at technology, how much of that research is focused on improving the probability of conception? How much of it is focused on reducing the price? And do those two things go hand in hand or are they very separate? Is the price linked to... That's a great said, question. It, it shocked me when you said how much cheaper it is to store, you know, not 5,000, it's 500, yeah. for example. For the eggs. Yeah, how do we get to that point? Like when does... The cost come actually. This is even a, to also to that question. Talk about how much research goes into lowering the cost, and then a follow up to that I have is how much did rounds cost twenty years ago? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I would say ten years ago when I started my pre- or in fellowship, for mm-hmm. example, a cycle of IVF was ten thousand dollars plus meds. Okay. Mm. And now you're looking at doing an IVF cycle with genetic testing plus meds. Is you're looking at thirty thousand, yeah. basically, especially in the Bay Area. And so I think uh, <laughs> real estate and eggs, guys, yeah. way to go. So uh, what I find to be, I don't know what the right word is, atrocious. Um, it's just it bothers me a lot is how the drug companies have gotten away with so much and they continue to. Mm-hmm. For example, one vial of the medication in this country is $19, but the equivalent vial, for example, in another country by the same manufacturer is around, you know, less than 20. It's around $14 for the same exact medication. Yeah. So patients spend five to $7,000 just on medications. Yeah. You said $19. No, it costs how much here? 90. 90. 90. See? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, everyone was so shocked and it's like, oh my gosh, the EpiPen and the price gouging of Americans. And I'm like... No, fertility drugs and the yeah. price gouging of Americans. So that's one area where the, there's just no competition. So the cost just really could go down um, dramatically from that standpoint. Yeah, our meds were you know probably between two and three thousand around mm-hmm. just for the medication. Yeah. It wasn't even didn't even cover the valet parking at the clinic, which I will get into at another point. If you want to find me outside, I'll talk all about that. I paid them. $11,000 one day, and then she's like, you still owe us $7 for the parking. <laughs> anyway, we have literal zeros on the clock, and I think what better way to have ended this wonderful first live episode of Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure than me complaining about parking at the IBM. Very apropos. <laughs> uh, um, thank you, Dr. Amy. Thank you, Dr. Dr. Amy, uh, quickly, I know we have literal zeros on that clock, but Amy, where can people find out about all of oh I, I'm gonna talk about your book signing, honey, in a second. Okay, thank you. But just Amy, please do the plug for your where people your, can find yeah, you. Oh, I'm easy to find. Dreamy at dreamy.org. That's my email address. I sound like a rapper. D r a i m e e at dreamy.org, and I have a podcast as well and a YouTube show, The Egg Whisper Show, and it's uh, streamed live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Look, Thank I didn't you. know you also had a podcast. Whatever. <laughs> Thank you for reporting that. Uh, but fun, fun news, everybody. Uh, Dory, uh, wife, uh, future mother, just all around genius uh, human being. I'm still looking at this. It says seven words on it. Anyway, uh, she's going to be signing copies of her novel, Startup, a novel by Dory Shafrir, uh, out in the Wired bookstore. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. That I nailed correct. it. Yes. Good job. Thank you, honey. Yes. Thank you all for coming. Thanks, Thanks guys. Yeah. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Well, honey, I think that that was a success on many fronts. I do, too. I uh, hope you all enjoyed it. I think if they didn't, they would tell us. Oh, I'm sure they will. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah. I, I Look, I, I liked a lot of the... the I found that the question James asked about IVF cost, I was fascinated to figure out. Like, I was, like, very excited about that question because mm. I wanted to know how much IVF used to cost. Yeah, that was interesting. To that. that was very interesting. Uh, and the answer to that question, you heard. So there you go. There you go. Do you like it? Do you want us to do more of those kinds of things? Let us know in the comments. Let us know in the comments oh, wait, and no. hit the bell icon to be notified when a new video comes out. Oh, this was our YouTube channel. Uh, comments down below. Okay. You know who does have a video, YouTube video channel? Dr. Amy. The Egg Whisperer herself. Yeah. yeah. Check that out, everybody. Uh, that's pretty much that. Thank you all for listening and an extra thank you to our patreon supporters you want to learn how to become a supporter i'm going to tell you right now go to patreon.com forward slash excellent adventure and you can sign up to get up to two bonus episodes per month big thank you to all of our supporters at the five dollar level you're going to get your name read that's five dollars and above you'll get your name read in the podcast each month and if you sign up now, you get the back catalog of Patreon episodes. Uh, so, like, there's a ton. So, go nuts. Lots of stuff that is not safe for regular podcasts. It's like Excellent Adventure After Dark. Excellent Adventure Unleashed. <laughs> you will get your name reads on next month episode. Get your names read yeah. on next month episode if you signed up this month. So, here we go. Big... Big thank you to Elizabeth Ann, Elizabeth Gerardo, Emily Brett, Emily C. Pimentel, Emily McNaughton, Erica Brown, Aaron, Aaron Gudge. Here come the Gudge. Gudge. Uh, Aaron Turley, Evelyn Schmevelin, Gina Odera. Gina, here we go. Ready? Gina Oderta. That seems right. Greta Truitt, Heather Nelson, Jack Woodyard, James Feigl. James Gilly. James wants a nickname like the Gudge Callahan. That is, wrote that out. Jane, Jane, Jane wants a nickname like the Gudge Callahan. Jane. Uh, our main Jane Callahan. All right. What do you think about that? Yeah. Jason King, Jennifer Floyd, Jennifer Steele, Jess Branch, Jessica S., Jolene Sigler, Julie Phillips, Kane McCall, Katie Dwee. Uh, Catherine Shimmons, Katie Regan, Katie Tavey, Katie Lucy, Kelly Zimmerman, Kelsey Kinneman, Kelsey Williams-Paul, Carrie Mills, Kim Mestry, Kim Thompson, Kimberly Kim, Kimberly Shepard, Kristen Anderson, Christopher Fonegi, Laura Dodge, Laura Rosenblum, Laura Luther, Lauren Nykvist, Leah Steinberg, Leslie Shoup, Lettuce Sparkle. That must be their real name. I love it. Lex Conant, uh, Lizelle, Lindsay Earls, Linnea Thunsel, Lisa in West Virginia, Lori Lemming, Leeming, Luke Evers, Amanda Johnson, Mandy P, 
Margaret Metcalf, Margie Oakley, Marie Morgan, Marika, Marjorie Sorensen, Martin Hedergrad, Peterson, Mary B. Oh boy, here we go. Here we go. Ready? 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 Mary Brasick, Maud Tremblay, Mackenzie Erickson, Megan, Megan Frank, Megan Kosowitz, Megan Sater, Megan Sherbanu, Megan Cantwell, Megan Drury, Magana Prasad, Melinda Phelps. If you stuck around for Melinda Phelps, then you are a genius. Because Dory was fading, even, I, and I tried to get through it as fast as possible. You guys are so supportive of us. We cannot thank you enough. And I think that after Melinda Phelps is probably Melody Baltazar. Oh, shit. Tune in next week to see if I was right, everybody. Thanks so much, Patreoners. Baby, let's go, baby.